0: on today's episode of fantasy nfl today we have another special guest on for you today to help me break down the miami dolphins you may have heard of him before on hoopball's very own nba dfs today podcast and we may have identified the next premium tight end who's primed to erupt you won't want to miss it and it starts right now Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by HoopBall. Today is Wednesday, July 14th. I am your host, Anthony Germain. You can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Sunday, all one word. Today, we stay in the AFC East with only two teams left to go. If you missed yesterday's or Monday's show, we covered a lot of good stuff with the New York Jets and New England Patriots. We discussed two monster sleepers and a really good preseason bet with great value. So if you missed it, be sure to go back and check it out. Again, we stay in the AFC East, but we're gonna go we're gonna get away from that cold, rainy corridor and head south to the Vice City, where the neon lights shine brighter than anywhere else in the world. That's right, the Miami Dolphins. But before we get into it, I have another special guest with us today that I'm very excited about. You may have heard of him before, as he made an appearance on Hoop Ball's very own NBA DFS Today podcast. He's a DJ. And from what I can tell, loves the betting market. That's always music to my ears. And you can find him on Twitter at DJ Sammy Cap, all one word. He is Sam Cantalupo. Sam, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Adrian. I really do appreciate that. Thanks for having me on, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've been great. I've been great. Um, We're in the second week of the show. Super excited that Hoopball has decided to expand uh, and bring in the football world. I understand that you have a very knowledgeable background in basketball, uh, but also a very avid fantasy football player as well, am I right? I, I like to think that,
1: yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> I like to think I'm I might be a little better at basketball. Um Naturally, but, naturally, being, Right. <laughs> being a being a
0: basketball site here.
1: <laughs> but I'm I'm big into fantasy football and I'm ready to expand. I mean, I saw Brew uh shared your tweet. And I'm like, I got, I got to hit him up about this. I got to get on this train here. So
0: you got to, you got to. So, so I'm hoping you can actually help me break down this Miami Dolphins roster and pinpoint which players we should be targeting or avoiding. So last season, let's, let's get into it here with these dolphins last season, we saw this Dolphins team get on the right track, or at least start to, or at least start to get on that path for success. And although they just missed the playoffs, the team finished with a 10-6 overall record. Brian Flores, the head coach, a young and promising coach, returns for another season with his defensive coordinator Josh Boyer. But those two guys are defensive-minded coaches, and that doesn't really help us much here in the fantasy world. Where our interest lies is within the offense, and one of the biggest changes going into this season is the new offensive coordinators. Yeah, coordinators, that's plural. They hired two from within the organization after letting go of Chan Gailey with the idea of prioritizing the entire offseason around building the foundation for Tua Tonga-Vailoa, who they really couldn't seem to get going. And especially after seeing somebody like Joe Burrow, who had a bit of success, and Justin Herbert, who absolutely lit the league on fire last season. This has to be pretty worrisome for Dolphins fans. Am I right? Well, I mean... I uh I compared Burrow and Tua
1: a little bit earlier and I th- I think we just have to give him the season to be honest. Um of course Burrow he started the whole year and he had pretty much double than passing yards than what Tua had but mm-hmm. if you really look at the numbers he only had I think it was two more touchdown passes than Tua and the same interceptions, um, so in my opinion, I think the Dolphins just need to give him the season to see what he could really do, and I think he could get that eighteen hundred pass yards, even up to maybe twenty five hundred or close to close to three. I mean, that's pushing it, but give him a full season, and I think he could do a little better.
0: Wow, that's uh, you you are giving Tua a little more uh, credit than I think most people. I think most people are kind of are starting to write him off I'm not so sure I'm ready to write him off but my main concern with Tua is pretty much it comes down to two things one that offensive line that he's playing behind is atrocious last season the line finished I think is the the 28th best unit and I mean that was that was pretty much expected because I think they started three rookies along that line and sometimes it takes time to gel and then they went into the draft this year with the number six overall pick and passed on one of the top Rookie tackle prospects, some say, you know, generational prospect, Penny Sewell, for a wide receiver, which I thought was a little silly considering how bad the line was. And going into this year, Pro Football Focus has them ranked as the 30th best unit, which is worse than what they finished last year. Now they did add Matt Sakura, who's an average run blocker at their center from the Baltimore Ravens, and they drafted one of my favorite tackles out um in this year's draft, Leon Eichenberg from Notre Dame, but you know, that line is still very young. Um, I'm expecting them to still give up a lot of pressure, uh, forcing the Dolphins to get that ball out a lot quicker. Or my second point about him is, is I think he's really fragile, both physically and mentally. Um, obviously, with that very serious hip injury, um, that's still a bit concerning to me. And then last year, there was just some reports coming out of camp where, you know, his teammates, I think they were voicing their concern that he wasn't much of a vocal leader. And I don't know about you, but I don't really like my quarterback if, if I had a quarterback on my team um, that's not very vocal I mean like these are guys like Sam Bradford in the past Sam Darnold's not very vocal Daniel Jones is quiet Teddy Bridgewater I mean these guys just have no fire no fire hard to follow a guy like that in the battle and it, it's got and it brings the team morale down so I don't know and on top of all that Tua's conservative his style of play is very conservative he doesn't take deep shots down the field I think he only threw nine big-time throws downfield last year, and, you know, that led to the constant flip-flopping between him and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So when we look at Tua from a fantasy perspective, his current ADP sits around a mid-13th-round pick. You seem pretty optimistic about him. Are you willing to take Tua as your quarterback? I'm going to say two because he's, you know, he's going so far down the draft, but right. I don't know. Maybe you're, so, you're very optimistic that you're willing to roll the dice and throw him in as your QB1. Uh, I'm optimistic,
1: but I'm not that optimistic. <laughs> yeah. I don't think um I mean I'm looking at even Jalen Hurts. I'll take him over to uh,
0: Oh, that's my boy. Um,
1: but he uh I don't wanna get too far off track here, but Hurts, he he really had the league on fire and he's exciting, another exciting guy to watch out for too. But
0: Yeah, that's my that's my Philadelphia Eagles right there. There man. you
1: go. Um <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I like mobile quarterbacks. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. I think his longest pass last year was like twenty or thirty yards, thirty-five yards maybe. Right. Um. But I just, I just think we have to see. Um. I think if I have to take him, maybe in a 12, 14 fourteen-team league, I will take a chance on him as my quarterback too. But if I'm in a ten-team league or even just playing around in an eight-team league, I, I won't be looking at for him really. Um, mm-hmm. like I said, I might I'll probably be looking at Hertz and you could get Hertz at round ten, I think I, I mocked him at today. So that's still I think that's still a great steal.
0: Right. And to your point, and this is my point as well, um, drafting somebody like Hertz to be your QB two, I think there's a lot more upside there, and I think there's a lot more quarterbacks available that offer more upside than Tua will as a QB two. So for me, I think I'm passing on Tua. I really don't plan on owning him in any of my leagues that you know I'll run. So enough about Tua. Um, let's move on to these wide receivers. And let me just start off by saying the Dolphins have made a pretty good effort in beefing up this unit. Last year, they went in with Devontae Parker, and I, they had high hopes for Preston Williams, but it wasn't enough. So they added a lot of speed and it all started with bringing over Will Fuller from the Texans, who I believe still has a one-game suspension left to serve, got one of the top prospects in this year's draft with Jalen Waddell out of Alabama, and still have Devontae Parker and Preston Smith in the mix. So let me just start off by asking you, out of all these receivers that I just mentioned, which of, which of them has the most fantasy appeal to you and why?
1: Well, I'll be honest. I'm not really familiar with uh, Jalen Waddle. Um, okay. Will Fuller, obviously we all have experience with him. Um, he does still have that one game suspension, suspension left this year. Um, but, I mean, last year he – I feel like he had a down year. He had 880 yards, uh, eight touchdowns, and I don't know. I, I Again, it goes back to Tua. If Tua could get rolling – um, I think they could use Fuller for mid-range, even the deep threat um, down the field. So with Devontae Parker, uh, I think he kind of showed glimpses last year of what he could do, but in my opinion, I'm not really trusting him. Uh, he's going round 10, pick 11. He's a right, wide receiver 51 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think I would be desperate if I picked up Devontae Parker, in my opinion.
0: Okay, so let's just, let's just go back to Will Fuller for a second. In my opinion, you know, he's never really played a full season, and, and he's always dealt with some serious issues staying healthy. Yeah. I know last year he didn't get hurt, but he did get hit with the PED suspension that limited him to just 11 games. As you touched on, he hit about 880 yards and eight touchdowns. So I think if he did finish that season, I think it's safe to say that he would have broke the 1,000-yard marker for sure right like for sure you know give him what is that five more games and he was already at almost 900 yards 880 yeah yeah easy easily he might even got to 11 or 1200 yards especially with Deshaun Watson throwing him the rock like I know I know Deshaun Watson has his off the field uh, concerns but he's a hell of a quarterback man but that's part of the issue considering Fuller like will Tua be able to deliver and keep him that fantasy relevant like Watson was you know will he be able to utilize his speed like you were just saying, like hit him with the deep ball. Tua plays that conservative game, man, like right. we were just talking about. He doesn't really ever throw the ball deep. And that's his, you know, that's his forte right there. Like he's a he's a deep threat burner down the field. Right. So, you know, that's a big concern. Like I've I've owned Will Fuller in the past and he's a beast when he's healthy. Absolute beast. But, you know, I'm just really concerned with Tua. You know, is he gonna is he gonna be able to hit him on those deep those deep routes, you know?
1: Right, and that's that's a very good point. I mean, obviously, Deshaun Watson before everything went down, he's a top two, top five quarterback even fantasy.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and with Tua, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm, I yeah, keep it's saying tough. it's tough. It is. We have to. I think we have to give him this year and see what he could do. But I mean, he has to really right. Open but if up we're taking
0: fields. if if we're taking Fuller as an early eighth round pick. And we're just saying, oh, yeah. well, we have, to see, we have to see what Tua can do. It's risky. It is. But I think, I think I'm willing to take a flyer on him, though, but only as my wide receiver four or five on my bench. But I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to go out of my way to get him. But, you know, I, again, from, the, from an injury standpoint and the unknown of Tua, and here's the other thing. If Tua doesn't work out, like there's no more Fitzpatrick to throw the ball. You know, we're stuck with Jacoby Brissett as our backup plan now. And I don't know if that's I don't know if that's better or worse to be honest with you. But anyway, enough about Fuller, let's move on to Parker as you touched on a little bit. So Parker finished as the 46th overall wide receiver last year, and I agree with you that he's risky. Last year he finished with 793 yards and four touchdowns, but it was a big time regression from a season ago. In 2019, he finished with 1200 yards and 19 and nine touchdowns, which leads me to my next point that Parker actually had really good chemistry with Fitzpatrick. He didn't really thrive until Tannehill left for Tennessee, and there was a difference between uh, Devontae Parker with Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Devontae Parker with Tua. Under Fitzpatrick, Parker was targeted about eight times a game. He averaged about 68 yards per game, and three of his four touchdowns came from Fitz, and every time when Tua was in there... His target rate went down to 6.5 targets per game, only 41 and a half yards and one of his touchdowns out of four. So, you know, after six seasons now, I think he's kind of hit his ceiling and I've seen everything I need to see with Parker. I think he's probably a 700 yard four touchdown type of receiver. Um, You know, I think he is what he is and this is what you get. And, you know, with more options to target now in the offense with Fuller in there and Waddle now, I think that's a fair evaluation for him. You know, I'm not totally against rostering Parker only because he's going so late. He's going, you know, in the 11th round in fact i think parker is a way better option in that area of the draft than guys like daryl mooney or like marvin jones or nelson aguilar but again like with fuller i don't know if i'm going to go out of my way to get him he's just he's a little boring for me and like i said you know 700 yards four touchdown type of guy you know but there is some value to having him as a nice veteran depth on your bench and just a wait and see type situation with tua Uh, because you know you know who knows tua might be good and the offense might click Um, In my opinion, I
1: think with uh, Will Fowler being there, and like I said, I don't know much about Waddle, but depending on how he plays, I think Parker could uh, be down to the 3-4 receiver, um, even bringing in Gesicki as their their tight end. Um, But, I mean, I don't know what the Bears are doing with getting Andy Dalton, but... (laughs) I think as long as it's not thrown to the other team, I think Darnell Mooney can catch those deep balls. So I'd rather – honestly, I'd rather take Mooney over Parker. I just, I'm I'm kind of avoiding Parker altogether. Yeah.
0: Well, I think your Bears bias is coming in a little strong there. <laughs> just a little bit. I don't know. And, hey, you know what? You, you might be right, though. Once once they do um, you know, commit to Justin Fields over there, you, Mooney might make a name for himself. You're right.
1: Yeah, and – I mean, I could see. I don't want them to put Fields in too soon, like they think they kind of did with uh, Mitch. But mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I, if I don't know, I, I I think Fields. I know everybody has that the bad stigma with the Ohio State quarterback, but I I just really think Fields is different, man. I think he's he's you know he's he's going to be special.
1: Yeah, I think so too, a hundred percent. Um, I just don't want them to. ruin a great quarterback I mean I think he could be great in the league (laughs) to be honest but um, right right I just don't I don't think they should start him sooner than he's like if he's not ready type of thing
0: right right kind of wait and see so I okay so so Mooney might might be a better option if you're willing to take that gamble over somebody like Parker but let's go back to Jalen Waddle yeah so this guy is you know he's as, everybody, as we get close to the combine in the draft, everybody likes to compare these short receivers to a Tyreek Hill, and you know, that, you know that's pretty much what this guy is. He, he's not Tyreek Hill, but he's a shorter receiver. He's five foot nine. He was drafted in the first round, number six overall, coming out of Alabama. Again, he's on the shorter side, uh, coming in at 5'9", 180 pounds, and anyone that listens to this show knows how I feel about those shorter wide receivers at the NFL level. You know, I like my receivers to typically be in the six foot to six foot three range. And that five foot nine is short, man. To be a big time NFL receiver, like five foot nine. I mean, like the, the, I'm only
1: five seven. So I, I don't know. Yeah, that's but not you're not an color. NFL.
0: You're not an NFL player. And that's <laughs> true. A, I, every time, every time I say that to to anybody that's a, that's under six foot tall, they I feel like they get defensive. But I'm talking no. about I'm not saying you're getting defensive. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. But I'm, I'm talking about an <laughs> NFL receiver, man. Like. And like those premium guys, like Antonio Brown in his prime and Tyreek Hill, I mean, they're five ten, and that I think that extra inch is, it makes a big difference.
1: Yeah, I I think I mean taller the better. Like look at Julio Jones, he's he was a top receiver. I don't know how he'll do in Tennessee this year, but right.
0: And all your all your prime top wide receivers are in that six foot to six foot three range. Devonte yeah. Adams, DeAndre Hopkins. But with Waddle here, to me, he didn't, he didn't really have that impressive of a college career. I get that he's super elusive and shifty, but you know so was Henry Ruggs. If you remember Henry Ruggs that went to the Raiders last year, also came out of Alabama. He was a little bit taller, five foot 11, but he, you know, he's a short, speedy guy. And you know, I don't think it's fair to draw a conclusion on Ruggs yet, but Waddles he's never come close to cracking a thousand yards for the Crimson Tide, and that team was just ripping the ball, ripping the ball lately. You know, we saw Jerry Judy from Alabama, Devontae Smith from Alabama. Those guys both went over a thousand yards. And it's just these shorter guys like Ruggs and now Waddle that, you know, they just couldn't get it done in that offense.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I'm not gonna pretend like I know something I don't. I don't know much about Waddle, but I uh-huh. mean, like you said, with Ruggs, he he didn't get much many looks. Um Right, and
0: Derek Carr. The the funny thing about that is Derek Carr on the Raiders is actually underrated for his deep ball throw. Mm-hmm. Like he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks when he throws a deep. Yeah. And Ruggs, you know, pretty much, you know, he had. I'm I think he had a couple games where you know he had the the big catch for the touchdown, but you know, most of the season really didn't do anything. Right.
1: Exactly. So I just I think having a guy like Waddle, um, comparing him to Tyreek Hill, I I. I think with Tyree Kill having Pat Mahomes, that's just a dynamic duo that we will rarely see. Right. Um so I again I have to wait and see what Waddle can do on the NFL level.
0: Right. So he's so Waddle's going as a mid ninth round pick. I think he's gonna be fine, but I think he's better suited towards best ball leagues than you know, because in best ball leagues they're setting your highest optimal lineup each week. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm sure he'll have his games where he has, you know, his three catches for 140 yards and two touchdowns, which works great for best ball. Right. But when it comes to you know your your redraft standard or half PPR leagues, you know, I'm just I'm just not willing to take him even at a ninth round pick until he proves me otherwise.
1: Right. And I'm just gonna stay away from him because. Because you don't know much about right. It. <laughs> Can I say that enough there? But uh, yeah, I mean, you see the rookies; they they have a good couple yards, but or a good couple games, I should say. And so I right. agree with you. He'll he should have probably three games where he reaches 100 yards, maybe 120, and has two, three touchdowns. But yeah, I think I'm going to be right, personally staying away from him right now.
0: Yeah, and then he'll have those games like you just said, and then every other game after that, you know, he's going to he's going to be that guy that gets four catches for 40 yards. Right. Exactly. And that's that sucks to own on your on your roster, and it sucks trying to make that decision on Sunday before kickoff, you know, should I put this guy in my lineup because he's either going to get me 4 points or 22 points? Like that's just too much stress for me.
1: Yeah, and it's hard <laughs> to it's hard to balance that, it's hard to predict that. I I'm not doing it.
0: <laughs> right. All right all right so let's move on to the running game so <clears throat> the only miami running back being drafted this year is miles gaskin his current adp sits as an early fifth round pick so he's going fairly early and gaskin was a popular waiver wire grab last season and performed pretty well for a lot of uh, owners i think the dolphins experimented a little with jordan howard and matt Breida to open up the season but gaskin wound up conquering that you know the lead back duties there He ended up the season with 972 all-purpose yards and five touchdowns in just 10 games. So almost 100 yards per game. I'd say that's pretty good. Um, I will say, though, it's important to note that the Dolphins tried to claim carry-on Johnson from the Lions before the Eagles got their paws on him. And there were also rumors about them being in the sweepstakes for Aaron Jones during free agency before he decided to go back to Green Bay. So I think that's something to keep in mind, that maybe they might be looking to lighten the load a little bit from Gaskin um, or they're just not completely sold on him. Yeah,
1: I I think, I mean, there's not really many running backs right now that you could really draft early. Um, I think Gaskin at the five, at the fifth round, I should say, uh, for a running back two would be, it'd be good. Um, I think it's a good move. But I'm just I am worried that the Dolphins are still trying to look for somebody else and maybe take the load off Gaskin. Maybe they don't trust him. But that's I feel like that's risky with with uh, a lot of running backs on, on a team that's I think kind of up and coming still. I mean they did have ten wins last year. They ended up the season pretty good at ten mm-hmm. and six, but. Yeah, that's that's risky. I mean, taking them fifth. If I'm looking for another running back, I might take the risk, but mm-hmm. I would I would be looking on my board to see who else might be there. Um, just because they're they're looking, and that means to me they don't really trust them with the running back one duties.
0: Right, and they never actually went out and and you know got a premium running back you know, in free agency or through the draft. I mean, there's guys on the on the roster here. I'm seeing Malcolm Brown, uh Salvin Ahmad, Patrick Liard, and uh Jared Dokes. Do you think any of those guys have a shot at taking some carries from Gaskin?
1: Not really. I mean if they keep if they keep the depth chart at the running back position that they have it now, I think it's Gaskin's backfield. Um I mean we saw Malcolm Brown in on the Rams just mm-hmm he had pretty much, he was a sharing uh, running back but he was it was kind of like a running back one and he didn't really do much so i don't think right. he's really much of a threat to gaskin um so if they keep that i think uh-huh. he'll be a good running back one and worth the 5th round pick um right and yeah. if
0: anything i think malcolm brown might serve more as a goal line back which kind of sucks if you're a gaskin owner yeah, um, because he is he is powerful. He's a he's a pretty big back that, you know, he's he's kind of that guy that you need, you know, two or three guys to bring down. And then when he goes down, he falls forward. So I think he fits that mold more. Somebody I'm kind of interested in a little bit, not, you know, in any sense to draft him is Jared Dokes out of Cincinnati. They got this guy in the seventh round. He's 5'11, 228 pounds, and has some explosiveness for his size. But again, not really somebody we're going to draft here. It's more somebody to kind of star and, you know, keep an eye on in your waiver column. Yeah, I just, I, I always, I'm always interested in a rookie back that gets a shot just because he's, you know, they're always eager to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. So I do think Dokes is definitely somebody to keep your eye on, but again, not to draft. So, moving on to the last position here, where let's, hit, let's hit the tight end position here. We have some, we have some uh, interesting value, I think, with the tight end, Mike Gesecki. So, Gesecki is going as a mid-ninth round pick. He broke onto the scene last year, having his best season as a pro, finishing as the sixth overall tight end with 53 catches, 703 yards, and six touchdowns. But finishing sixth overall in the tight end rankings doesn't necessarily hold that much weight. You know, after your, after your Travis Kelseys and your Darren Wallers and Kittles, you know, the point difference is very minimal. Uh, the position just uh, just seemingly underperforms across the board. So ninth round feels about right for him. And if you're like me, um, you might even wait a little longer to grab your tight end if you don't get one of those premium guys early. But, you know, going back to the Tua thing, you know, he isn't, again, uh, exactly chucking it down the field. So it is possible, I think, that Gusecki could take that next step into that upper echelon tier and maybe be to a safety blanket. Yeah. Any thoughts on that?
1: I could 100% see that. I mean, if I remember correctly, Gusecki was going around the same uh, ADP as he is this year. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think he's a good tight end to wait on. I mean... If you're not if you're not getting uh, Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. I think definitely grab other position players that could help you out. Maybe get some depth, and then grab Kasicki in the ninth round. Maybe he might even fall to the tenth if you're lucky. Um, mm-hmm. But I think like exactly like we were talking about with Tua having more of the short range ball, he it could be like a, a Gronk. Um, he Brady always found Gronk short range. And I think he could definitely have some good value being the short range. And that's kind of like why I was uh, saying Parker might fall even to the 3 or 4. Mm-hmm. Just because they have Gesicki, they have Fuller. Waddle could be short range. I mean, they have so many guys to where I think Gesicki could be a 2. Uh, Fuller could be the 1. Or it could be flip-flopped, whichever. but. Right ninth round definitely great value for to wait on a tight end
0: yeah and i i think it's great value um i mean i don't know if he'll reach gronk status and that's you know future hall of famer right there but right. He, definitely no. has the, he, <laughs> he definitely has the he definitely has the fidget uh physical attributes and talent to become you know something like a, a something of a force right but the thing about him last year he was he was really volatile like very like he had three weeks of Uh, 22 plus fantasy points and then he had three weeks of less than three fantasy points so you know he's hard to trust but the interesting thing is that two of those three big weeks came from playing with Tua right he was at his best when Tua was in the game from weeks 13 to 17 Gesicki averaged 16.6 fantasy points per game and ranked as the fourth best tight end so again you know, I think this ninth-round value, I mean, I think people are underlooking Gaseki here.
1: I, I really do. I think so, too. I think they underlooked him last year, and they'll, in redraft leagues leagues especially, they'll underlook him again. But just like you said, I mean, this is the good comparison. Fitzpatrick likes a long ball. Tua likes a short ball. And right. we saw, like you just said, I mean, Gusecki had his best games and Tua was in there. Um,
0: right. And, and the other great thing about this is that the two speed guys that they brought in at the receiver position, Fuller and Waddle, can now take the top off those defenses so they're not stacking the box or playing, you know, up close, up front. And that's going to give much more opportunity for Gusecki to get open. Under right. There.
1: Absolutely. I agree. one hundred percent.
0: I think everybody is really sleeping on Gasecki. Mm-hmm. I don't I, maybe sleeping on him is not the right word. People know about him. He's you know, he's he's flexed on everybody last year. They don't trust him, maybe,
1: as much as they right,
0: should. Right, right. And I think he's being severely undervalued. So yeah. this is somebody I'm definitely targeting. Um, I'm hoping I can get him in the ninth or 10th round. But, you know, you never know in these drafts, man. You get you get to these drafts, and some of these guys in your draft, man, they'll just...
1: I know. <laughs> they'll,
0: they'll take people at the weirdest spots.
1: It's it's crazy. I, you don't even want to know what I've seen. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll have a bold prediction here. Go uh, for it. I might, I might even take him in... In the eighth, as early as the eighth. I don't Um, think
0: that's crazy.
1: Just so I don't miss out on him, to be honest.
0: I really don't. And I I think, uh, you know, it's only one round higher. I mean, he's going as a mid-ninth, so yeah, one round higher. You know, if you said you were going to take him in the fifth, I I, I think you're a little crazy. But I think, yeah, eighth round is perfectly acceptable.
1: Yeah, 100%. All
0: right, so that about wraps it up for the Miami Dolphins fantasy players. I think we covered most of it. Let's move on to one of my favorite segments as always and hit the betting market. Now, Sam here, you, as we discussed earlier, uh, you are a avid player in the betting market, are you not? I am. I am. I've more uh, in the, MB- the NBA field though, right? Yes,
1: I've. I'll be honest, I'm. I'm kind of a little rusty on betting and football, but ask me anything for the NBA. I mean. If, I think if, we're.
0: I think we're all. I think we're all a little rusty in NFL. It's been a couple months since we had a game.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So.
0: <laughs> so the so the Dolphins. Let me just ask you a few questions here. So yeah. the Dolphins are sitting as the second favorite to win the division behind Buffalo at plus three hundred twenty five odds to win. Okay. Um, do you think the Dolphins have a shot to win this division, or do you think it's Buffalo, New England, or the Jets to take? I. <sighs> Or what do you, or do you, what I'm trying to say here is, yeah. do you think that's good value for the Dolphins? Would you be willing to put even just a small amount because the odds are at plus 325? Plus
1: 325? I think Buffalo would have to have something really bad happen to them. Um, something like maybe, and I don't wish injury on anybody, but I mm-hmm. think if, God forbid, Josh Allen were to go down and then. My boy Mitchell would be in there. I think the the Bills would be a little bit in trouble, um, right? But I think at plus three hundred, I would I would put something small on there just just in case New England catches fire, um, then, which is
0: a very big possibility,
1: right? Then I think it would be it would be the Dolphins sitting in third place at least. So something small. I wouldn't go crazy with it. Is my opinion right?
0: And I I agree with you that there is. The value on this is, isn't bad, and it is worth putting a little something on. If you listen to my last episode with the Patriots, I actually have them winning the division. Um, their odds are slightly higher at plus 350. Okay. Um, and I think that that's phenomenal odds for a pedigree team like the New England Patriots. I mean, they had a down year last year, but people don't remember that half of their, half of their defense opted out for COVID-related reasons. Yeah. So they're back at full strength. They brought in all these free agents – you know i i understand that cam newton's not the not you know the best quarterback he's never really returned to a super bowl form but you know he's got the pieces around him now to succeed and with buffalo um buffalo's got a hard schedule really really hard schedule which i ran through on yesterday's episode so i'm expecting some regression from buffalo after their magical season you know buffalo's never really been a a you know pedigree team with a with a winning history they're more of like my philadelphia eagles where you know they have one magical season somehow win the super bowl and like look at them now they're <laughs> right. picking you know number six overall in the draft so right i'm looking for a little regression i don't expect that magic to carry over and you know with this bet with the dolphins i think there is some value i'm not going to go nuts on it like i did with my patriots bet but i do find some value there all right let's move on to the win total The over-under is set at nine and a half wins. And I think you said earlier that you were surprised that they, that the Dolphins won 10 games this season, right?
1: Yes. I was very surprised that they even finished 10 and six last year.
0: Right. So I think they overachieved a little bit last year. And I think this nine and a half is probably right. I think I would lean the under. What do you think? Do you think they have a shot to go over that or, 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 or would you roll with the under?
1: I would, I think I agree with you. Definitely under, their nine wins, I think, is generous for them. Um, so I, I don't think they'll get past. I don't think they'll get back to 10. And if they do, it's off a lucky game. Like they seem to have at least one lucky game a year. So. Right,
0: right. And the thing, yeah. the thing is, again, the division, in my opinion, is much harder. I don't think the Jets, although I do think the Jets finished last in the division, mm-hmm. I don't think they're, they're a shoe-in. I don't think they're just, you know, go in, show up, and win. I think they're going to be, you know, a little harder this year. Buffalo, obviously, will be, a, will be tough in the division, and then New England back at full strength. But after looking over this Dolphins schedule, it is hard. Yeah. I think they actually have the hardest schedule and I hate their offensive line. I think when looking at win totals and how a team will do over the course of a season, you really have to look at their offensive line, the strength. Like I discussed earlier, P- Pro Football Focus has them as the 30th, which is the third worst line in football. But if I'm just looking over this schedule, if, if you don't mind, I'm just going to run through it real quick and just yeah. explain to people how hard this schedule is. So, you know, for, just for starters, they, their first two games are in New England – and home against the Bills. That's two of their hardest division opponents, and things can go south right away. Like if they get off to an 0-2 start, that's that's already trouble. Yep. They then travel to Las Vegas, and with no more COVID restrictions, I think going to Las Vegas can be distracting, especially for young players. It's a lot of gambling, a lot of clubs. I think Las Vegas is going to have a little bit of a bigger home field advantage than most people expect. I think a lot of teams coming to Las Vegas are going to are gonna have a hard time beating them there because they're gonna they're not gonna you know they're gonna be going out all the time
1: right they have to be very focused when they're in there exactly <laughs> it's
0: almost like it's almost like with the dolphins here when when a lot of teams travel to miami you know they go to south uh, south beach yeah. and you know go out clubbing and everything like that so right you know i think that's something to, to keep an eye on here the indie hard team at tampa bay obviously super bowl champions tough out and they have to travel to london against the jaguars now, I know it's the Jaguars, but that travel, that's a long flight. And when they come back from that long trip, they get Atlanta coming off their bye, followed by Buffalo coming off their bye. So that's two back-to-back teams coming off their bye week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I agree. It's New England, Buffalo. I could see them easily going 0-2 right there. Uh, Las Vegas, they have a shot at winning it, but they could definitely be 0-3 uh, by that time. And then maybe by... Week six before they go to London, maybe one and four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah they they do have a really tough season.
0: I think I think they'll win that game against the Jags. It's just it's just that travel when they come back and then they get Atlanta off their bye week. So Atlanta's gonna be super rested up while or rested up while. You know, they're trying to recover from this long trip. And then the following week, they play the Buffalo Bills also off their bye week. It's like they can't catch a break. And then they also get a um, let me see on this right here. They yeah, they also get a home game, but it's prime time against the Baltimore Ravens. That's no easy out. No, and there is. But there is some good news. They do get three straight home games. I'm seeing right here um, towards the end of the schedule here. And they have a bye week wedged in so they won't have to travel for a full month. And these are all beatable teams. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I can see them going on a late late heater, but I think they're going to need it because these last three games I'm looking at, Monday night, Monday night football in New Orleans, then they come off short rest from that game because it's a Monday night game, have to travel to Tennessee to play them coming off 10-day rest because Tennessee just played a Thursday night game, and then they close out the season against the Pats. I mean... <laughs> This this is I think this might be one of the hardest schedules in the whole NFL.
1: I I think so too. I mean, like you said, so I, I think I, <laughs> their best shot would be weeks <laughs> of eleven to fifteen
0: of yeah, trying to like, sneak in even I mean, a wild card. Brutal. If they could get it, I don't I'm thinking know. it, the more I'm thinking <laughs> about it, I don't even know if I would put five dollars on that plus three twenty five. All right, well, that's our show for today. I hope everyone enjoyed and retains a lot of this great Miami Dolphin information for their fantasy drafts. Sam, thanks for coming on. You were great. I hope to have you on the show again sometime in the near future if you will grace me with your presence.
1: Of course. I I appreciate you having me on, and I I like to do this a little more often. This was fun.
0: Yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, I'm sorry to throw the Miami Dolphins on you. I know you're a Bears fan. We we touched a little bit on the Bears, but uh, you know, when I come around to that Bears that Bears episode, I'll be sure to have you on.
1: I'll I'll be there for you. I got you. I'm
0: sure. I'm, I'm sure you got a lot of great great information for me on that one. Yes, I do. <laughs> I don't know if it's good information, <laughs> but yeah, I, I like I like them this year. I like them so yes so that's our show for today again i hope everyone enjoyed it sam you're awesome great and uh we'll talk to you later